This is The Difference, a podcast for nonprofit fundraising in a for-profit world, presented by Convergent Nonprofit Solutions, a leader in nonprofit fundraising. Convergence professionals can help your nonprofit secure sustainable funding now and for the future. Thanks for joining us. It's good to have you with us. I'm Convergent Principal Jay Worth. I've known Anthony Bell. I've known him for many years and have been impressed by him, not just for his leadership books or his impressive roster of leadership development clients, uh, includes Nike, Bank of America, the Girl Scouts, March of Dimes, the U.S. Treasury, and more. I'm more impressed with his transformational leadership framework applicable to all levels of any organization, nonprofit or for-profit. little background on Tony, he was brought up in France and the UK, and after graduate studies at Strasbourg's Institute of Higher European Studies, he worked at a few different companies in Europe. And then, in his words, uh, he started Leadership Development Incorporated website and the organization saying, uh, fresh from a move from Europe to America, what struck me most was all the confusion around leadership. This was a time of immense change and the voices offering leadership solutions were like an unconducted orchestra. I was constantly dealing with leaders overwhelmed and inundated with compelling solutions. So Tony created his firm, wrote his first book, has created a dynamic uh, website. Is the orchestra still being unconducted or what are you <laughs> discovering of late? <laughs> well, well, thank you, Joey. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be here. And thank you for that very gracious introduction. It is a con- still a cacophonous orchestra. Um, you know, I think one of the, the, the reason that I got into this, and I think you, you kind of alluded it to it in that, that background, is that when we first came over here from Europe, I ended up, and this is kind of mid-career, I ended up uh, doing training for a, a subcontracting for a training organization uh, here in the U.S. that took me into all kinds of different organizations. And, and um, for me, actually, it was a tremendous education because I had really underestimated how differently Americans do business from Europeans. And, uh, but the thing that really struck me is I was going into all these different kinds of organizations and I was doing things like strategic planning, uh, change leadership, that kind of thing. And the thing that really struck me was that, that the leaders that I was dealing with were just really, they were struggling. And even the ones that seemed to be doing well were sort of second guessing themselves. And what struck me was that they were just inundated with all these new ideas. And this was when systems thinking came on the market, emotional intelligence, and just a whole slew of different approaches to leadership. And it was just really difficult for them to figure out what it is that they needed. So what I I started thinking about, well, well, what could really help them? And I came to the conclusion that the real problem was just this overwhelming complexity and confusion around leadership. When I went, when I was looking for a publisher, when the the, uh, the agent and I were looking for a publisher for, for the first book, I went to Amazon to see how many books there were that had the word leader or leadership in the title. When you think about that number, whatever people think about it, what the number that's, that it was was 64,000 and some change. Just titles, you know, not books, but titles with those two words in it. 
And my first thought was, well, how are we, how are we ever going to find a publisher with that many books out there? But the other thought I had was, well, there's a tremendous hunger for this and a tremendous amount of confusion. And so what I, I figured that the, the thing that would really help them was some way of figuring out that I need this and not that. I, you know, systems thinking is relevant to what I'm facing now. Emotional intelligence is not, um, or whatever it is, all the, you know, I've counted over almost 70 different disciplines around leadership. And, you know, people offer those from those particular disciplines. Um, that was the genesis of this framework, because what, and, and we very much call it a framework. It's not a model because a framework is bigger than a, than a model. A framework is a construction term, you know, it's, and the same framework could be used for a number of different buildings. If you just imagine that sort of metal structure with vertical bars and horizontal bars, well, that could become a hotel, it could become an office building, it could become a parking lot, it could become, you know, all kinds of different things. And so that's what this is. It's a, a framework to help us think about what is the absolute essentials of leadership that can be applied in any kind of environment, and specifically at a person's level of leadership. That's what's uh, really what we're aiming at, is to help someone, you know, whether the CEO or the frontline leader, figure out, well, this is what I need, and this over here is not what I need. Does that make sense? Yes. And what are the key components of the framework? We boil it down into two big ideas, and that is character and competence. Everything about about leadership falls into those two buckets and uh or they may overlap a little bit but essentially those two are absolutely everything about leadership competence is not it's not about technical competence or functional competence it's not about being a great marketer or a great engineer or a great accountant uh, or a great you know nonprofit leader whatever it, it's not that's not the the kind of the functional aspect of it, it's really about leadership competence. And we break it down in competence in leadership as three basic ideas. And we call those organizational leadership, operational leadership, and people leadership. The analogy I use is, um, think, think about it as a ship. So you've got the captain on the ship, and the captain's focus is external to the ship. The captain is responsible for making sure that the ship doesn't hit another ship, that it doesn't run aground, that it doesn't uh, hit an iceberg, and, uh, and it avoids you know, uh, bad weather systems. And most important, that it gets to the right port of destination. That's what the captain is responsible for. Now, it doesn't matter how good that captain is if the ship is dead in the water because the engines aren't running or that they're badly maintained or the, the all the crew is sick because the cooks have uh, cook bad stuff, which ends up in uh, giving everyone food poisoning. You know, the, so you have to have not only organizational leadership, which is the captain on the bridge looking externally, clarifying the direction and so on, but you also have to have operational leadership. That's all the tasks and functions on the ship. They have to be well-led and and well-organized. And then you've got people leadership. So you, that means you've got the right people in the right place and you're bringing out the best in them. So you've got the engineers in the engine room, you've got the cooks in the kitchen, and you've got everyone else doing what they're supposed to be doing and you're resourcing them to be able to do what they're supposed to be doing. 
So that's how we define the, the, the competence in leadership, those three key elements. So you've used the analogy of a captain on a ship as the organizational leader providing direction or maybe casting a vision. We mm-hmm. take it outside of the nautical world. Mm-hmm. And then you have the uh, operational competence and then the people competence. How important is it that the captain be well-versed in all three, although he may not be hands-on in all three, if I'm interpreting your comments correct? Yeah, you're, you're, you're exactly right. I think it really it really doesn't matter terribly. In fact, the important thing, so we use an acronym for organizational leadership and we call it CAS, which is C-A-S. And that stands for clarifying the direction, aligning around the direction, and then selling that direction. What's really important is that they do the function of clarifying the direction, but they also have to make sure that everything is aligned. And one of the, one of the keys is making sure they've got the, you know, one of the alignments would be making sure they've got the right people in the right place. Your talent is a big, you know, getting the right talent for the right role. That's an alignment issue. If you do that, then you don't have to really, you don't really have to be heavily involved in the operations because you pick people who, uh, who can do it well. You, you make sure that they've got all the resources they, they need to do it. The problem is, and this is very frequent, it's true in the for-profit world as, as it is in the non-profit world, people get promoted. Typically, we all start in a very operational leadership role. And we get promoted because we do a good job. And so what's our instinct? Well, our instinct is to continue doing what made us successful at the previous level. And that's the problem because success at one level is recipe for, safe, for failure at the next level. And so we keep getting promoted. And it's like a, you know, a, 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 someone who's promoted into the role of captain, but insists on spending his time down in the engine room. So he's not doing what he should be doing on the bridge. And that's when, you know, that's when the ship will hit another, you know, hit an iceberg or it'll it, you know, hit another ship. It'll, because there's no one providing it. So you don't have to, have an intimate knowledge of the operations. Your captains on a ship, you know, they probably do know how, you know, it's probably where the analogy breaks down because they, a captain probably does know what everyone on the ship does. But in an organization, you don't have to know everything. You've just got to make sure you understand enough so that you can provide the resources and align the resources so that person can do can that, or that, that area can do well. Well, as you talk about this, it- struck me to think about a book that was written some years ago, maybe decades ago, called The Peter Principle. And I was just thinking, well, if you're getting promoted and you're moving up, and yet you're not doing a very good job, have you been promoted to your highest level, as Peter Principle would call it, your highest level of incompetence? And how do you avoid that? I think that's a real misnomer or a misconception, because uh, I think the real problem in the in uh, you know in the workplace uh, is is not in inability; it's actually ignorance. Mm. And people don't really know how to lead, so they do things that just a bad leadership. But they don't know any better. It's not that they couldn't, with the right information, they could. And you know, I had I had an early on one of the earlier clients that I worked with was a. 
um, a trade show exhibition company. And there'd been a recent a generational transfer and the new, the daughter who took over from her father uh, brought us in. And right at the beginning, she said, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to fire in the next three months, Jim, who is our VP of operations. And so I said to her, well, you know, let's just wait a little bit. Let's work with him and let's see how it, how, how it goes. When we kind of exposed him to the framework and he understood what he was supposed to be doing, he, it completely transformed his leadership. And not long after that, she said to me, you know, Jim's the best person on the team. Now, his problem was not inability. His problem was ignorance. He didn't know what, how to lead in his particular environment. So going back to the Peter principle, the Peter principle assumes that you just kind of rise and then you, you know, your complete inability will get you any further. In actual fact, I think what stops people from growing and also what causes a lot of derailment is not inability. It's just this ignorance. They just don't know what they should be, what they should be doing. How did they best acquire the knowledge? Is well, that through a your framework or any number of frameworks or leadership well, concepts? It, I think that's the the challenge, and I think that's you know, I think that's what I would say is our differentiator. Our goal is to help people understand leadership. We're trying to get rid of the confusion, and you know there are a lot of things that people need that we don't provide. You know because. Uh, you know, other people provide it a lot more effectively than we do. But what we're trying to do, and I, I just don't really, you know, much as I'd like to see other people providing it, I just don't, I just don't see it out there. It's actually very rare because, you know, I think people, people go from their own particular perspective and they, they you know, they, they come from a systems thinking perspective, they come emotional intelligence, you know, whatever it is, it could be, you know, there are a lot of organizations around self-awareness, which is really important for a leader. It's really, it really is important. Um, and, you know, that assessment instruments are really useful. But that doesn't tell you what it is you really need for the particular challenges you're facing at your particular level. We help people figure out, for you at this level, if you're the CEO of this nonprofit, then this is this is the kind of leadership you need. And if you're a you're the head of the HR department, or you're, you know, you're head of, uh, you're overseeing the volunteers, whatever it is, that's your, your level of leadership. And that's what's expected of you in this particular role. That's what's actually difficult to get out there. And that's, you know, so that's what we're trying. That's what we're trying to do. So you make these differentiations, my role, mm -hmm. are there characteristics, either behaviorally, or operationally, or dealing with people that are common, regardless of the role the leader plays in the organization? Principles that are the same, but they're applied differently. So for example, uh, people leadership is applied at every level of the organization. Everyone needs to do it. But the way that a, a frontline leader will apply it is different from the way that a CEO will apply it. It's still, you know, the acronym that we use for people leadership is SEM. Select, uh, you've you got to select the right people. Then you've got to make, you've got to explain to them what the expectations are. So they've got to be clear. And then you've got to motivate and develop them. Well, those apply to every single level. 
But how it differs is that for a frontline leader, if they've got a team of, you know, um, they've got a team of, you know, let's say five or six people. Well, their focus is on actually bringing out the best, you know, making sure that they, they, they've got the right people on the team, that everyone's clear about what they should be doing, motivating them, developing them, helping them grow. That applies to a frontline leader. It also applies to a CEO. But for a CEO, the CEO has direct reports. He has a team. But that team also has direct reports, and they probably have direct reports. So the CEO has to be really thinking about how does SEN, how does people leadership apply throughout the whole organization? Are my people, my team, are each of the members of my team developing the people that report to them? And are they in turn applying it to them? And that's so then for the CEO, the people leadership becomes an alignment issue. Are you are you creating the kind of environment where people can actually flourish and grow? Are you facilitating that? Are you creating that kind of, or are you encouraging it? Leaders often delegate this to HR and they say, you know, you take care of it. Well, actually it is a leadership, a leader's responsibility to develop the people that are reporting to them. There seem to be many more pressures bear upon leaders uh, for instance, just dealing with the pandemic that brought operational challenges and so forth. How do you prevent yourself from burning out? Do you have any suggestions for some of our beleaguered leaders that are listening right now? You know, we're sort of in the middle of a perfect storm and the, the kind of three forces. One is that you know, the people that we're leading are going through their own journey and that, you know, they've got, they're going through different stages and you know, every decade of our lives is sort of has its own particular challenges. Well, you're leading people who may be, you know, in their 20s, but also in their 40s and 50s. And the questions they're asking are really different. So we're leading people who are dealing with their own journeys and we're dealing with our own journeys as well, you know, where we are. And then there's also the organization is going through its own journey. You know, organizations go through cycles of growth and so on. And then um, and then I, the area, the sector that we're in is, go, is going through its own changes. You know, all that creates kind of a, a perfect storm. And in the middle, we're right there trying to lead in that, in that environment. Well, I think the solution to that is, is really you've got to know what's really important in terms of uh, your leadership role. You, this is what's expected of me. And people get burned out because they don't do what they should be doing in their role, and they do things that they shouldn't be doing. So for example, if you've got the captain on the ship, well, if he is so caught up in the operations that he's running around all around the the ship, making sure that the operations are being done, that captain's gonna get burned out. But if that captain has a very clear sense of what his role or her role is in the particular leadership role, then they're going to be a lot less stressed out because they're going to be focusing on what's really important for them. You know, I think it's very prevalent in nonprofits because you're often on a tight budget. You're trying to cut the resource, you know, cut the costs. Uh, and so you end up just doing stuff that actually as CEO of a nonprofit, you actually really shouldn't be doing. And it may be that, okay, raise, raise the funds to, to cover the cost of the roles that you need. I mean, do that's actually what's part of the, the cast function, the organizational leadership. You're actually aligning resources to get 
to accomplish what that nonprofit is really designed to do. If you don't do that and you keep carrying on doing it yourself, you'll, you'll, you'll get derailed. I mean, you'll get so exhausted um, and you'll be completely ineffective. And either you'll quit or you'll be asked to quit. What about the question that a lot of donors seem to pose about overhead? And mm-hmm. gosh, if we pay people more, that's just going to d- take the overhead of the organization to unprecedented levels. And of course, in nonprofit work, most of it is the people, right? Uh, mm-hmm. it's, that's, your ma- that's your major cost. It is a quandary because, uh, you know, you, you, do, you are in a way on the payroll of the, of the donors. I think this is where you know, the, the third aspect of, of organizational leadership is the S, which is selling the direction. And I think the donors need to be sold on the direction. They need to be sold that, look, if you want this to be a really well-functioning uh, service to the community, whatever form that nonprofit takes, it's going to require these resources. And if, you, if, if then you make the right selections, for those resources. Then you've got people who can run it operationally in a very effective way. And that way you will actually achieve the the purpose of the the nonprofit in a way that couldn't be done otherwise. And if you don't provide those resources, then you're just gonna keep struggling and actually become less effective as uh, as a contributor to to the society in a way that the nonprofit is seeking to, to become. You've stressed uh, very clearly the importance of the, the right people in the right places within an, within an organization. So give our listeners some tips on how do I interview or evaluate those candidates that sit across the table from me and I'm the hiring manager in this instance. What are the keys to evaluating those candidates in your opinion? Yeah, that's, and that's a, an interesting question because I think we typically hire on qualifications. To me, that's probably less important than character and culture fit. I would, you know, now sometimes uh, this is probably less true in the, in the nonprofit world, but sometimes in the in, in the for-profit world, you need a very specific, you're under a time crunch and you need a very specific set of skills. So at that point, you really are looking for a very specific uh, set of credentials and, and, uh, and, and talent. The, the important thing is, can, are, you, are, you, are we looking for character? Is it someone that you know, we can really trust? And they could, be, they could have high character, but not really be a good culture fit. So I would ask a lot of questions around what is, you know, give, give me examples of how you see character. We have a pyramid of character qualities that has 14 different uh, um, qualities to it. But the three that we kind of highlight, one is self-awareness, really important. Another one is having a very clear moral compass. And the third one is courage. You know, if you don't have courage, then none of the others matter. Um, and so I would ask questions around, around those three. Uh, and then I would ask very specific ones about around the culture of the, the organization. You know, very often in nonprofits, you're actually often hiring from a volunteer base. So they probably are familiar with it. Uh, and, but 
uh, you know, sort of what's what's their passion for the mission, and also what's their fit with the uh, with the with the organization. So I would say those two things are are really important. Tony, your framework is intriguing. It's different than many others that are out there. We can't cover the waterfront in the, during a <laughs> podcast. So why don't you give us some information on how do folks find out about your framework and your organization, uh, Leadership Development Inc.? What's the best way to pursue? The website is actually leaderdevelopmentinc.com. Thank you very much. We've been uh, listening to Tony Bell. He's the CEO, founder of Leadership Development, Inc. Convergent has a series of podcasts, and you can listen to them. Find out more about Convergent Nonprofit Solutions at convergentnonprofit.com. Look for the tab resources, and you'll find articles, podcasts to help you in your role as a nonprofit leader. So thanks for joining us.